Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. John chapter 3. So we continue in our study on the Holy Spirit and how to live and walk in the Spirit. John chapter 3. Oh, and while you're in John chapter 3, I want you to put your, put your bookmarker in John 3 and I want you to turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. John chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 3. We'll come to Colossians later, but just in the interest of time, I want it to be marked. So you can just flip over there. Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3, and we'll go there in just a moment. So uh, were you with me last time? We began uh, last week our series of teachings of how to live and walk in the Spirit. I want to tell you, if you're new to our church, that we are a verse-by-verse Bible teaching church. And we believe in the whole Bible, not a Bible full of holes. Amen. Amen. So we give great care to teaching the Bible. Once a year, I pick a sermon series to begin the year with, and so we've done that. So uh, if if you come back, new people, you come back in about two, three more weeks, we'll be verse by verse in a book. I will tell you what that is when the Lord tells me. I don't really know yet. So how to live and walk in the spirit. Were you with me last Sunday? Just show of hands. Were you with me last Sunday? That is a good number of you. Then, you know, briefly, we talked about the Holy Spirit is given to all believers. Right. And all believers in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit by faith. You don't have to wait for the spirit of God and there's no time lapse. You don't have to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, we talked about the Holy Spirit is given to believers permanently. Remember? When the Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart, in the heart of the believer, you never have to worry about the Holy Spirit leaving. Somebody say amen. He has made a permanent home in you. Thirdly, we talked about the Holy Spirit fills us time and time again. The filling of the Holy Spirit isn't a once and for all experience. We are constantly, continually being filled with the new filling, fresh filling, of the Holy Spirit, and I remind you that the Holy Spirit, 
Being filled with the Spirit isn't a title, it is a condition. Being filled with the Spirit isn't a title, it's a condition. And then finally, we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit is given to believers as a down payment of future glorification in Christ. The Holy Spirit is given to believers as a down payment or guarantee, the Bible says, for our future glorification in Christ. God loves us so much hmm, that he deposited the Holy Spirit in our lives. Are you listening to me, young folk? Which says that God intends to come back for his purchase possession and carry the transaction to the end. So that being said, if you missed that teaching, I think you can find it. Pastor Ian, can can you find it on the app already? Okay, good. It's on the app. So go to our app. Go to the app store. Download Calvary Chapel Carry app. And you can hear last week's teaching. Today, I thought to go back to basics. I thought to just go back to basics and talk to you. I think you already figured it out, didn't you? In John chapter 3, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, what do he say, saints? You must be born again. You know that. And Nicodemus, we'll read it in a second. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Nicodemus is asking Jesus and he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, listen to me. How can a man of the flesh be born again and walk in the spirit? That is what Nicodemus is asking him. So today, get your pen I want to talk to you about what happens when you're born again and when you're filled with the spirit. What happens when you're born again and filled with the the, the spirit? And I'm going to give you a very simple three point outline. We'll work from today. Number one, you experience new life. How to live, walk in the spirit. What happens? You experience when you're born again. It happened. What happens is you experience new life. Number one. And then secondly, you experience the supernatural. And then thirdly and finally, real easy people, you experience a new nature. What happens when you're born again, you experience new life. You can take your phone and take a, take a shot of the graphic if you like. You experience new life. You experience the supernatural. Are you with me at home? And you experience a new nature. New life, the supernatural in a new nature. That's what we'll talk about today. That being said, John chapter 3, if you're with me, look at verse 1 and say amen, saints. Amen. I'm awake because I think the left half of the room ain't with me. My left, your right. John chapter 3, we're looking at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need y'all to say a hearty Amen. amen. There was a man of the Pharisees, and his name was, who saints? Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus, I'm going to read that again. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, 
Y'all come on, read it with me. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. I do want you to know Jesus didn't answer his question, did he? He did not. Jesus answered and said, I say unto you, unless one is born of the of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is what, saints? Do not marvel that I said to you. Come on, read it with me. You must be born again. Stop right there. Give me your attention, saints. Chapter three and chapter four of John's Gospels. We get to listen in on two private conversations that Jesus had with two Israelis. One was a man and the other a woman. The man is a respected religious leader, a Jew, one people looked up to. And the woman, not so much respected, she was a Samaritan that people looked down on. Both took Jesus' words too literally and both missed the meaning of what Jesus said. In both cases, Jesus is very patient and he offers both eternal life. So we come to verse one and the Bible tells us just kind of peek there again, if you will. The Bible tells us there was a man of the Pharisees and his name was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now, keep your pen handy. There are four um, groups of Jewish leaders in Israel in Jesus day. Four groups of Jewish leaders in Israel in Jesus' day. First of all, we have the Essenes, the Essenes. And the Essenes rejected Roman rule and Herod. They wanted to create a pure community for the Messiah to return. So the Essenes went into the Judean deserts and lived there and waited for the Messiah. Many scholars believe that the Essenes were the author of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so then you also have, uh, talking about religious leaders, Jewish leaders, you have the Sadducees. And the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, which is why they were sad, you see. I get to tell dad jokes. I'm a pop-pop. Uh, That's a granddad. And I'm a dad. So as dads, I get to be corny. Because I like corny. Anybody else like corny? I like corny. All right. Maybe 10 people. Okay, fine. The rest of y'all have to deal with us. Okay. I'm allowed to tell dad jokes. What does a baby computer call his father? Dada. Kind of good. It's kind of good. <laughs> Why did the picture go to jail? Because it was framed. Somebody got that one. Which days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday. Which days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday. The rest are weekdays. I'm on a roll. Did you know your pupils are the last part to stop working when you die? They dilate. 
I love these. These are near and dear to my heart. My wife asked me the other day where I got so much candy. And I said, I always have a few Twix up my sleeve. I'm glad you love them. I do too, ma'am. I do. What happens when frogs park illegally? They get towed. <laughs> Lastly, what do you call a bundle of hay in the church? Christian bail. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Julie. Children's ministry represent. The Essenes... The Sadducees, you're taking notes, write this down, and the Zealots. We're talking about four groups of Jewish leaders, the Zealots. The Zealots, quickly, briefly, were the activists in those days. And then finally, we have the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the closest aligned politically with the Roman government. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, the Bible tells us in verse 1. And because he was a Pharisee, listen to me close, his life revolved around rules and rituals. His life revolved around detail and devotion to God. His life revolved around procedures and practice and works. Nicodemus was sincere and genuine and really seeking God. He was prestigious and smart and very wealthy. Um, somewhere I read that Nicodemus, it is believed that he was the fourth wealthiest man in all of Israel in that day. So he was wealthy. He was religious. He was uh, religious and godly in a sense. And he was generous. And if heaven could be earned by someone's accomplishments, Nicodemus would have had change left over. Nicodemus seemed to have it all religion and respect and money. And yet, listen, he was still thirsty and he was still hungry. And Jesus tells him in verse three, Nicodemus, you have it all, but you really have nothing because you're not born again. You must be born again. Now, remember, I tell you often, Calvary Chapel, you're still listening to me. I tell you often that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. You know that. And Jesus, he gets to the heart of the matter with Nicodemus. Jesus is saying, Nick, your religion and all your study and all your discipline, you're a ruler and a senator and a theological professor. Most churches would have been glad to have him. Jesus said, that's not enough. You have to receive the new birth. And I got to wonder in my sanctified imagination, maybe Jesus, maybe just maybe he took him by the face. You know, when you want somebody to really hear what you got to say took him by the face, maybe grabbed him and said, Nicodemus, seriously, I'm telling you, unless you are born again, you cannot go to heaven. The process, the beginning of being born again starts with what you believe and what you confess. Write that down. The process of being born again starts with what you believe and what you possess, you are not born again by your own works or your own merit. If you know that, say, I know that, Pastor. Know that. No, ma'am, no, sir. The Bible is very clear about this, that we are not capable of saving ourselves from our own sins. We're not capable to buy our way into heaven. 
Look, if anybody could have bought their way into heaven, it could have, would have been Nicodemus. He could have if money could buy heaven, but money can't buy heaven. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. It is the gift of who saints, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you want to be born again, you must accept. Here it is. The foundational truth of the gospel. That is where being born again begins. That's what we're talking about. Okay, you have to accept the foundational truth of the gospel. You have to accept intellectually accept the truth. What is that? Jesus is the son of God. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried. The Bible says three days later, he rose again from the grave. And the Bible says that he ascended up into heaven and someday he will return. We must believe Jesus' death paid the price for our sins. We must acknowledge that we have sinned and in need of saving. We confess that sin and we accept the free gift of God. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you believe these things first, you shall be saved. Conversely, conversely, the person who is not born again, the person who is not filled with the spirit is unpardoned, unsaved and without God and without hope. Jesus says You must be renewed inwardly and you must receive a new heart and a new nature. Being born again means the spirit of God has come and taken up residence in you. And when that happens, listen to me, please. And when that happens, something radical and something mystical happens in you. God's very Holy Spirit. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? God's very Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, and it is then that you are born again. And you are then given a new heart, a new mind, and in eternity, a new body. I could take that new body right now, quite honestly. But okay, fine, we'll leave it, okay? It is impossible to be a Christian without being born again. Let me try to illustrate it this way, and I want you to listen to me close. I'll try to illustrate it this way. If the CIA wanted you to be an agent behind the bamboo curtain in China, you would be trained to talk, act, look, and think Chinese. You would go to school and learn the Chinese language so that you could speak fluently without a trace of an accent. After studying the customs of China and the physical characteristics, you could duplicate their mannerisms and their gestures and their behavior. And maybe you might have some plastic surgery and have your face changed so that you look Chinese. And then you enter communist China and you're welcome to be one of them. You do, pardon me, you do everything in a Chinese manner and no one is none the wiser. No difference is noted. As far as anyone in China is concerned, you are Chinese. But would you be, question, would you be Chinese? Final answer, no. 
Not if you did not have Chinese parents. Why? Because there's nothing that you can do to change your race. Now, stay with me. It's the same way spiritually, saints. You might talk, dress and act like a Christian. You might even join the church and sing some worship songs. You probably go to Christian events and do all the Christian stuff. You might even have Christian T-shirts. You know, the ones that say I'm saved with a D.A. on the end, saved. The sword of the spirit on the back. You might have all of that, but none of these things. I know you know where I'm going by now. None of these things make you a Christian, right? You see, we were born The Bible says with a sinful nature into a sinful race. And that sinful race is the human race. And we were all born with that sinful nature and nothing you can do outwardly can change that fact. Just like you've been born of Chinese parents, you have to be born of Chinese parents to be Chinese. You need to be born of the spirit in the new birth to be a Christian. And without that, did y'all pick that up? And without being born into the family of God, you cannot become a Christian. We hear people say that you can't go to heaven, you can't be a Christian. We hear people say that I've been Christian all my life. I ask this question a lot to people. Like, when did you become a Christian? I was talking to some guy on, uh, on uh, Friday, actually, and I'm talking about being a Christian. I said, when they, well, I've been a Christian all my life, he said, And I said, no, you haven't. (laughs) Stop lying. No, you haven't. No one has been a Christian. Take that back. Not unless your last name is Christian. (laughs) Then if your last name is Christian, your mama and them and your daddy, your last name is Christian. Then okay, fine. You've been a Christian. But we talk about spiritually. (laughs) Say amen, church. No one. No one has been a Christian all their life. You have to be born into this Christian thing. And you can't go to church. You can't even be baptized into this Christian thing. You know, people will say, well, I got baptized when I was a baby. The priest took me up front and sprinkled some water on me when I was like four months old. And and now I'm and I'm a Christian. No, sir. No, ma'am. It don't work like that. To be a Christian means that you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you receive him and you confess him. And you repent and you turn away from one thing, sin, and you turn to God. And you ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And the moment that you do that, you will become a Christian. We talked about it last week. There'll be no tarrying needed. You don't have to wait for it. Some of us know what I'm talking about. You don't have to wait for it and tarry for it and pray for him and, and, and lament for him and cry and roll on the floor and get up and get back on the floor. You ain't going to do all that. Huh? You ask and you will receive the spirit of God. Can you say a better amen than that? Amen. So. You, number one, you experience new life when you are born again. Number two, in our outline, y'all still with me? You experience the supernatural 
the supernatural. Point number two in our outline. Verse two, please peek there. Verse two tells us Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Y'all know what I'm going to say. So predictable. Nick at night. Okay, let's just move on. I have to get it out of my system. Now, why? Listen, here's a question for you. Why did Nick come to Jesus at night? Perhaps Nick came at night to hide in the shadow of darkness. Remember, keep in mind, Jesus has turned over the money changers tables. Religious people, Nick, Pharisee friends, wasn't liking Jesus a lot. Perhaps Nick didn't want to be seen associating with Jesus because Jesus was this rebel. And Jesus was this kind of rogue preacher. So Pharisees and religious people and the... uh, The four groups of leadership in Israel, they didn't want to be bothered with Jesus. They didn't want to be seen with Jesus. So maybe, maybe Nick came at night as not to get into a public confrontation with Jesus. Without an audience, you can have a real conversation, right? Either way, the Bible tells us Nick came at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher. Y'all looking at verse two? We know you're a teacher come from God. Notice, I want you to write this down. He addressed Jesus with respect. Write down that word, respect. He addressed him with respect. He said he called Jesus Rabbi. That's a respectful thing to say. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.